You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Amen. Some of you will know the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism opens with this question, the fundamental question for the human existence. What is the chief purpose of man? To, who knows it, enjoy God and glorify Him forever. At the heart of enjoying God is the mission that He calls us to. And the mission that he calls us to is through the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We've been rehearsing uh, in your gospel communities. uh, Our leaders uh, have a structure where when you do it, when you have a discussion around the Bible, we start with a short gospel presentation. I mentioned before that that can take three seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes, 30 minutes, three hours. You can devote three years, 30 years, your entire life to diving deep into the gospel. Let's start here today. The good news of the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ is right now. There is life now available in the kingdom of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is good news. Today we're going to take some time to think about that and how it drives us and is the engine for our mission and for our calling as followers of Jesus, our teacher, our master, our Lord, our king, our best friend, our treasure. Before we get there, I thought, you know, maybe it's appropriate to share some of the, if this sermon is no good, let me share at least some good quotes spoken on mission. So you can be like, well, you know, I wasn't sure about what Louis said, but he read Bonhoeffer. So, you know, Bonhoeffer's good. Anyway, Bonhoeffer, look him up, part of an assassination plan for Hitler. So, you know, and a good, good Lutheran. Bonhoeffer, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Martin Luther the great reformer, I'm sure many of you will have celebrated recently this October. He says, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, is worth nothing. Or you can go to Oswald J. Smith. We talk of the second coming. Half of the world has not even heard of the first. Or you can go to William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. Not called, do you say? Sorry, I imagine he's got an English accent, so... (laughs) Just help me here. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say? Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonised heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go and stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters to not come there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy mercy you have professed to obey and tell him, whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. It's quotes like that that get me to go to theological college. Like that is just like, come on. Anyway, how do you feel? We read a beautiful scripture, didn't we? Hopefully you've read it multiple times in the last couple of weeks as you've been reading Colossians on repeat. It's in Colossians 1. Lisa read it so beautifully for us. Talks about what uh, we had once come from and what uh, we are called to and what Paul's call was to, to all people as a servant of the living God. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Know Jesus. 
the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them. Here's the mystery. God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's you and me, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Him, Jesus Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, for this I toil, for this I put in a lot of effort, for this I make it, I put all my energy in, struggling with all of his energy, God's energy, that he powerfully works within me. Once alienated, now brought to God through the blood of the cross. Now, whilst reading, I do notice there are a couple of little speckles of rain. I'm not at all embarrassed or will see you any event apart. I will not see you in any different light if you do choose to run away to a car. Doesn't have to be yours, I guess, so long as the radio's on. Um, And if there's a downpour, I'll give us a moment to all do that at the same time. Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he he makes it known how much it matters that Jesus would be made known. Paul is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is capital A apostles, which are those which uh, have seen Jesus through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. Those is the capital A apostles. And then there is the little A apostles, which just means sent ones to go and proclaim the mystery and the good news of the gospel. Now, in Latin, sent one is missio, of which we get our word mission. Sent for a purpose. So I wonder as you sit here today, I wonder if you have a missio, a mission. I wonder if you have been sent for something. Now, worth just acknowledging and noticing here, mission, implied in the very meaning of the word, mission needs an external input, doesn't it? If you are sent to go, you need an external party to send you. To accept the fact that you're on a mission means that you are accepting some form of authority from someone or something. Otherwise, it's just your creative idea. It's the same thing when people talk about the call on my life. Heard that expression? That's kind of like a, a rephrasing of my mission. You know, I just, you know, just really, really called to do this thing right now. This is the call on my life. But even that implies that someone has called you to do something. That means some, there's been some external input to your call because otherwise, really, you're just calling yourself, which is weird. It's like if I was at the cafe and it says, oh, hold on a minute, just, yeah, 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 no, it's all good, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, can do that. Yeah, I'll do that. that yeah, actually, that's a really good idea. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, full support? Great. Awesome, thanks. Bye. Your mate says, oh, who was that? Oh, no, I was just, just calling myself. <laughs> so that is why the order of this series is really important. We have to start with the master because it's the master who sends us. It's the master who who gives us the mission. It's the master who gives us the purpose, who gives us the framework, who gives us the safety, who gives us the help, who gives us the joy. And when we think about the gospel, we can actually understand the goodness of the master and the goodness of the mission. But also very intentionally, we do mates before mission, don't we? Because if you're just on your own, stuffed, it's hard. Where do you find your place for healing? Where do you find your place for support? Where do you find your places for ideas? Where do you find your places for, for, for other people's experiences and learning? I think it's significant that when Jesus sends out the 12, initially he sends them in twos. When he sends out the 72, he sends them out in twos. And when he calls, when Paul writes to the church in Colossians, to, to Colossae, he writes to an entire church, doesn't he? 
cause a community of people to go and obey and submit to and keep working out the instruction and the mission of the master. But culture, you know, culture wants to sort of take, take, play with that, you know, because all deep down we have, we have a longing for a mission, we have a longing for a call. I think it's fair to say that we all want to do that. But culture, you know, the, the devil likes to get in. He likes to, you know, sort of skew our perception of things. And it's no longer mission. It's no longer call. We like to ask the question, at least the question that I got when I did careers counselling in year 11, because that's when you know what you want to do with your life. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Still figuring out what to do with all these pimples on my face. Thank you very much. <laughs> Girls are interesting now for some reason. I don't know. Um, it's no longer call, it's what is your passion? What are you passionate about? Tell me what your passion is and that will drive everything that you will do. Now, passion is a good thing, right? Passion can be given to us from God and can help direct and steer us into doing what is right and what is good. Passion is often what can help motivate you for a particular aspect of the mission of God. But if passion is all you've got external to the master, you're, you're stuffed. Because what happens when you don't have an external validator, an external helper, uh, something else that isn't just you? What happens to your motivation when things get hard and your passion is gone? Like what about when you're pressed hard by things that want to tear you down and the passion that you had or have? Will an emotion that has driven your action, will this passion be enough to get you through the tough times? See, when I was in the army and we had a mission to do, it got hard. Got hard. There were some training exercises we did. We were cold. We were hungry. We were tired. We were dirty. And the original passion that I had for joining the army, which was like the pay and the fitness and the perks, it was all gone. But I was still answerable to the commander in chief, wasn't I? I still had an external force that was driving me forward. And I still had mates by my side that were unified by the same thing. So I just want to take a note to help us think through, we need to think of our mission through the lens from the master and not a personal passion that is on its own. Because if that's what's guiding your life right now, I want to invite you to Jesus. Because a passion, when all of the energy is gone, it won't help you persevere. And the other problem with passion is that it's driven by a fear of man. And it's looking for man's approval, not for God's not from God's acceptance. But we digress. All that to say, if you don't have the external, unchangeable, objective, truth and loving strength of God who equips you and gives you all the energy that you need for the task ahead, you won't have a lot to keep you going. So what about for us? I trust that many of you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ and desire to know what it is that he calls you to, calls us to as a church, let's have a think about what Jesus calls his people to. And hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, maybe you're just here figuring out who Jesus is and what he's all about. I hope that by the end of today, you see that what he calls you to is life-giving and makes a real difference in this world and can bring you a joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy glory. And then no matter, no matter how hard things get in this life, there'll always be a peace that will transcend understanding that will carry you through. So when we think about our mission, where do we go? Let's go to Jesus. Let's go to Jesus. I did ask Lisa to very intentionally, and even it was okay if awkwardly, read out the words of Jesus from Mark chapter 1. Verse 14, this is, this is Jesus's first sermon that he preaches in his ministry. 
This is the first thing that he says in the Gospel of Mark. And it's the ongoing thing that he speaks about through his ministry. And it's what is picked up by the early church fathers, the church today. And it should, and it is to be our message as well. So I just want to take some time living in that. Because if we can understand that, everything, seriously, everything flows out of this. This one short little verse. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's think about that. The time is fulfilled. What does that mean? The time is fulfilled. It's obviously time for something. And something has obviously culminated to bring to this point. It's kind of like saying, the time is now. Quick, get in the car. The time is now. It's like church. We've got to go. Come on. We're running like kids. Shut up. Come on. Get in the car. Come on. We've got to go. Got to go. Got to go. When are we late? The time is fulfilled. Something has happened. Something is about to happen. The time is fulfilled. Listen up. It's now. The time is fulfilled. Jesus starts with. And then he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, you can also translate that kingdom of heaven. See that in uh, the gospel according to Luke. The kingdom of God. What does that mean? The time is fulfilled. Okay, it's time for something. Oh, the kingdom of God. What is that? Well, what is a kingdom? What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a place of an effective reign of someone or something. It's a, it's a culture. It's a place of common values. A kingdom is a place where there is a way of life, isn't there? You could say the surf coast is a kingdom. The surf coast is a kingdom. There's tribes within the surf coast that make up that kingdom. You know, there's like sort of states, there's different sort of value systems, but there's an overall guiding principle for what it means to be someone that is on the surf coast, doesn't it? You know, there's respected leaders and culture setters. You know, like there's some that will set the standard for what type of sunglasses you're going to wear or how baggy or how high or how tight your jeans are meant to be, or how colourful or non-colourful your clothes are meant to look. The surf coast is a type of kingdom. It's a, it's a way of living. It's a set of values. It's a culture. Your home is like a kingdom. Your home is like a kingdom. There's a way of talking. There's a king and a queen that rule that place, king or queen, and that's not always the parents, you know. <laughs> Awkward laughs. <laughs> I feel your pain. Your car is a type of kingdom. Did you know that? Your car is a type of kingdom. There's certain values and, and, and ways of thinking in terms of what music is played. You know, you have a hygiene policy in your car. Some people have a very low standard of that hygiene policy in their car. Some people have a very high, high standard. And there's a value system that operates within that vehicle of whether that is someone that is, we are patient people or we are fast-paced people and get out of the way. Your car is a type of kingdom. Now, Jesus says there's a kingdom that's here. There's a kingdom that's now. There's a kingdom that he's bringing in. What kingdom is it? It is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now here, is the preaching of Jesus. The kingdom of God. Okay. Who is God? What is God like? Well, the world is his creation. So start by looking around. I wonder what his creative streak tells you about him. What is it that you notice? Anyone had breakfast this morning? Who had a really good breakfast? Who had like a really, really good breakfast? Yeah, God gets credit for that. Yeah, he made the luscious fatty avocado. He came up with the idea for sourdough bread. He is the bread of life, of course. Look at creation. It's beautiful. There's an intelligent design. There's an order. There's logic. There's balance. There's rhythm. The kingdom of God is at hand. God created. And God is the king of this kingdom that is close and that is breaking in. But don't just look around. Here, have a read of Jesus's, of God's Instagram bio. You know, 
who is this? Who is this guy? I've seen some pictures. I've done a scroll through the feed. He's got some pretty nice artwork. Yeah, nice. Good on you, God. What does he say about himself? We've said this many times over the last few months. Well, he introduces himself, you know, emoji, praise hands. The Lord, the Lord, a God, slow to anger, love heart emoji. Sorry, merciful and gracious, love heart emoji. Abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger, forgiving iniquity, transgression, sin. His faithfulness, he's faithful, he's loving, he's kind. Oh, wow. God, this is the king of the kingdom of the thing that's coming in. This is how he introduced himself. And Jesus says, the time is at hand. It's now the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Something new is here that God is bringing in. It's a kingdom that if you take time to think about it and think about who God is and what he does, it is something that right now, if you're beginning to understand those things, you're going, whoa, what did he just say? What did Jesus just say? The kingdom of God is at hand. That's close. There is this new realm of possibility of hope and light and love and fulfillment and glory and joy. What is going on here? Now, what is Jesus' next line, next word? Repent. 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 Now, before we think about what that is, what is that? What is that? What is repent? What does it mean to repent? Anyone feel a little bit nervous? Oh, Louis, the preacher said repent. The preacher said repent. That's how I would feel when I'd sit in church and the preacher starts saying repent. It's like, oh boy. Okay, here's the laundry list of the guilty stuff. Well, let me tell you what repent is, repentance is not before we think about what it is. Repentance is not simply feeling bad. That's not repentance. Repentance is simply not just feeling sorrow for something. It's not just remorse for you did something wrong and now you fear the consequences. That's not repentance. Repentance is not feeling bad for what you did and then just going along and playing along with life, okay? So you have that dance for free, okay? It's a moment I wish the camera wasn't on. Repentance is remorse with resolve. Repentance in Greek is the word metanoia. It's to change one's mind and one's direction about something. See, if this was a driving illustration, repentance is when you're driving along and the GPS says, the shops are at hand. The way you are going is not going to get you there. Repent and turn around and go the other way. See, repentance is not the shops are at hand and then you're like, oh, oh, that's, that's terrible. I feel so bad. I'm just going to keep driving, but I feel bad. So I repented. Uh-uh. Repentance is a change of a state of mind. To be like, I was going the wrong way and now I'm going to change direction. See, repentance is a change in your thinking. Repentance is is like those ads, you know, when they try to sell you a pillow. Forget everything you once knew about, about memory foam pillows. Forget everything you once knew about those things. This new thing is here. If you actually forget everything you knew about memory foam pillows and then listen to what they said and then took them seriously, that's repentance. Forget about what you once knew because you now need to unlearn some things. Repent, unlearn some things. Forget what you once thought about God. This is a big one for our culture. God is this big, angry, mean, tyrannical tyrant, you know, or he's just, I just, he just needs me to keep rules. Repent. Repent is a renovation of your mind. It's going to be needed. That's what Jesus says when he calls repent. Repent is renew your way of thinking. You need a system update. You're going to have to hit the reset button. Repentance is the message of the Bible and of the early church. John the Baptist started with it. Remember that? Repent. Jesus started with it. Repent. Then the 12 were sent out with it. Repent. 
Paul taught it through the Scriptures. Repent. Peter talked about it. Repent. The resurrected Jesus needed to come back to the 12 churches in the book of Revelation and say what? Oh, guys, repent. Change your way of thinking. Change your operating system. You've, you've, got, it, you've, got, you, you've got it wrong. Change the way you think about the world and the way you think about yourself. This is the consistent teaching across the New Testament. This is what Jesus says when he says, the kingdom of the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And what? Now, just before we get to the end what, let's just think about and what are the original hearers hearing right now? Because right now, some of this is a bit new to us. It's a bit strange. It's a bit foreign. You know, the average white Western modern person hears this mini sermon from Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, oh, the time's filled, can we repent? They go, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, all right, yeah, good work, Jesus. Okay, if you're an original hearer, hearer, feel like a Jew in the ancient Near East, and then this rabbi, Jesus Christ, the one who just, it's, the news has already spread. So it's like, did you hear about Jesus? Just got baptised by John the Baptizer, you know, the weird locust honey-eating dude. Got baptised by him and the heavens opened up and a booming voice of God came down and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And I saw the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove. So by that, by now, people have begun to hear a little bit about Jesus, okay? So he's like, all right, okay, what's, what's he saying? And Jesus says, the time is fulfilled straight away there. If you're like a Jewish reader, you know the history there. The time is fulfilled. Are you serious? I've been reading Isaiah this morning. And Isaiah had some stuff to talk about with like the times. And you've got like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and oh man, there's like, like that stuff at like the start of the Bible, like Genesis 3. Is this, is this what he's talking about? The time of the new golden age with God's chosen king? I mean, we had it in Solomon. It was great in Solomon. Man, we screwed it. Is this the next one? The time is fulfilled. And then Jesus says, because now they're listening, the kingdom of God is at hand. And they're like, holy moly, or whatever they said back then. In their cool, like raspy, throaty voices, you know. I'm not going to do an impersonation because I'll probably get a bad letter. Um, The kingdom of God is at hand. That meant, that meant loads to these people. By now, the Jewish people, oppressed, Roman rule, overthrowing, like what hope do we have? We need God to break in. They're expecting it some way, somehow, this great big triumph. Rider on the white horse, going to just take down, you know, this big moment of victory. And they say the kingdom of God, oh, we know what that means. Kingdom of heaven, we know what that means, is at hand. It's near, it's now. Oh, I'm listening, Jesus, is what they're thinking. I'm listening. Tell me what's next. Tell me what's next. And Jesus says this, Jesus says this, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change what you're thinking about all of this and believe the gospel. Original hearers, believe the good news. This is where in our hyped up email exclamation exclamation point culture, should hear, believe the most amazing thing that you have ever been told. Good news. Believe the most amazing thing that you have ever been told. What is the most amazing thing? Because God is love and knows that you can't get into the kingdom of God on your own. Remember that kingdom of God we're talking about? God is ruler, love, light, mercy, forgiveness, abundance, good life, peace, rest, Sabbath. The kingdom of God is at hand and God knows you can't get in on your own, but He's making the way. What? How is that possible? How is that possible? They are saying, hopefully you are saying, it doesn't make sense that God would like some, God would want someone like me in his community, in his kingdom, sharing his value system. It doesn't make sense. How is that possible? And Jesus is there. He's saying, look, guess what? You know, he does. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good news? 
But then like, but how is that possible? It doesn't make sense. I know what God is like. He's good. He's also holy, pure, no imperfection. I've read about what he's like. I, I, like I know about the I know about the sacrifice at the temple. Blood needs to be shed. There needs to be death, and it like I I can't go into that. Like what? How is this? Gonna, he he won't accept me after everything that I've done. If I go near to God, like my impurity is going to corrupt the community. Yes, Jesus says but not if he cleans you up. Not if he cleans you up. You can't. You can try. But not if Jesus cleans you up. Not if God cleans you up. And then we say, then the original here is say, yes, but how is that possible? Clean me up. Clean me up. I know what needs to be done. That is an unimaginable amount of work. Isn't it? We really look deep in the inside of the dark corners of our hearts, of our thoughts and our intentions and our motivations. And it's just like, could we really be cleaned up so that we can enter in into the kingdom of God community and share God's values and champion who he is? Is that really, is that really what? You know, that amount of work to clean me up, that would kill him. Yes, Jesus says. And then he points at the cross. To make you pure, to be in the kingdom, it will kill me. It will cost me everything. That's the gospel you must believe. It's not the gospel of if you do enough, you'll get in. It's believing the amazing news that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him, yes, would not perish, but have eternal life. That's the most amazing news ever that he, Jesus, who knew no sin, would become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross, took them away so that we, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now we thought about how the word repentance has been miscued in the past. Worth commenting here and also the word belief. The Greek word believe is pistuo, pistuo. It's a little bit funny, I admit, you know, when you hear it for the first time in Greek class. It is to have faith in something. It is to put your trust into something. It is to place your confidence into something. All of you, are, many of you are sitting on a chair right now. You have placed your confidence in that chair to hold you up. To believe means placing your confidence in the person and work of Jesus to hold you up before the Most High God. And it's your confidence, it's your belief, it's your trust in what Jesus has done, not what you need to do. And that makes it makes up so much of the good news, isn't it? Like place that news next to every other single religion and spirituality of today, right? 
if you do enough, if you are good enough, just maybe later on, heaven, huh? That fills me with so much confidence. Thank you very much. False prophet. What about, like, put that next to karma. You get what you know, you get what you give out. Karma, you make sure it all balances out. Yeah, make sure it all balances out. And then if something bad happens, you're like, nah, that's bad karma, I guess. It's because I, I don't know, cut that guy off in traffic. That's not the gospel. Jesus just takes it all onto himself. He's just like, it's by my work that you are accepted, not by what you do. And so you believe, believe in my work on your behalf. But belief is then seen in a repentant life, isn't it? Belief is then seen in the fact that you have changed your minds about something. New operating system, new way of thinking. Belief is seen in what you do. Belief is not resonance. Belief is not resonance, okay? Belief is not a feeling of, oh, that's nice. Oh, I I agree. You know, Dallas Willard, he says, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when when we act as if it were true. Believing means a new way of living. Believing is an evidence of your repentance. Believing is evidenced in becoming. Your doing is directly impacted by your believing. Like we do do this all the time. We get sometimes the gospel good news report of sunshine coming tomorrow and we iron our board shorts in anticipation of that good news. We slipped on, I'm sorry, I don't iron my board shorts. But I was just seeing who laughed at that. Past experience influences our belief. You know, well, I was hungry yesterday at about two o'clock, so two o'clock, so I'm gonna pack a sandwich today because I believe I'm gonna be hungry, so I'm going to action my belief. I'm gonna prepare, I'm gonna do something about it. Think of your footy team or favorite sports team. Your behavior is the result of your beliefs. You believe that whoever team you follow is the best. Good on you. So you wear the clothes, you know the values, you celebrate the wins and you lament the losses and you align yourself with that way of living because you believe they're the best team. And then also with that belief, you can't take seriously the other people who say, oh yeah, I go for them too, but then show no evidence of that belief. They don't know who the players are. They don't know if they won last week or not. They can't share in your common joy but your belief is played out in your actions, isn't it? Do you believe in the gospel? Do you believe in the most amazing news of Jesus Christ? Or is it just an intellectual assent? Is it being played out in your life? Do you know that the kingdom of God is at hand? Do you know that there is life now in the kingdom of God through the personal work of Jesus? Do you know that? Jesus is king and his kingdom is here and now and there's access to it. And that access has been made possible by the king and he makes it possible so we can enter in now. And because the kingdom is here, And if we're entering into that kingdom culture, we can do that today. And today, your life can be different. And tomorrow, your life can be more different again. And why? Because your master is your savior. And your savior savior is your helper. And your helper is strong and loving. And your helper is strong and loving because he is God. Have you taken time to seriously consider the call of forget everything you once knew about this world and who God was, is. And have you considered this amazing invitation? If you have come to grips with this amazing invitation, if you have experienced the joy and the peace and the freedom of knowing that you are accepted not based on what you have done, but based on what Jesus has done for you. If you have felt 
the joy of the Holy Spirit take residence in your heart so that you can say, God is my loving heavenly Father. If you know this, you're in the family. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is master and believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead for the receipt for the new life and the evidence of a valued life right now, you have a mission as you live in that family and as you live out that kingdom culture. The Bible says now is the favourable time. Now, 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 like now, like right now is the favourable time, like our age, right now. Now is the day of salvation. And so Jesus says, in light of all of that, in light of what he has achieved, he says to us, we've heard it already, here's the mission. Go therefore and make disciples. Make students, make trainees, make apprentices. Not intellectual believers. Disciples, those that do, those that action, those that are living in a constantly changing state of mind in trying to understand who they are now in Christ. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe how much of what Jesus commanded? All that Jesus commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus set this up, John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. I asked Esther this week, so Esther, why do you do mission? Why do you live a life that is seeking to give value to God's call on your life? Why are you seeking to glorify him? And Esther just basically quoted the, the verse that gives the name of this church. You are the light of the world. You know, do not take a light and hang on, hide it under a basket. You're a city on a hill, like you are the salt of the earth. It's like you are a city on a hill, like a light, let your light shine before others so that people see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. And I love how blunt Esther was. Sorry, Esther, I didn't ask for permission from this. But she's just like, we've got this amazing news. Why would we keep it to ourselves? And we're with God. Jesus is leading us, who's with us, who's beside us, who's in us, Christ in you. Do you remember that in our reading? Christ in you. We don't have to be worried. We're helped. So why? There's, there's one really good reason to do mission, but I thought, let's quick fire why we don't. Why don't we do mission? Well, you think, one, sometimes we don't do it because we forget it's something we need practice in and training for. Who knows how to swim here? Probably most of us. How good were we when we first started swimming? Terrible. When we first started learning how to swim, we, we, that was called drowning. You spend time at it, you work at it, you, you look at others do it, you watch people, you listen, you copy. And then over time, swimming becomes natural. Swimming becomes something that you do. And over time, when there's a good day on the forecast, you're like, I'm going swimming. I'm looking forward to that opportunity because you're practiced in it and you're rehearsed in it. When the conditions are right, you're excited for it. And even better, we never swim alone. We've got the constant lifeguard and protector, Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's awesome. We've got the Holy Spirit floaties just helping us the whole time, you know. So I didn't think that illustration through. That might, I don't think that's heresy. Kirby's not here, I'll ask him later. Sometimes we don't do mission because we forget that God is a God of resurrection and fresh starts. We forget that God is a God of resurrection and fresh starts. Do you know that God can use a situation that you think you've killed and absolutely destroyed and give it resurrection and turn it into something beautiful? He can do that. The freedom for us to just have a go when that is the God who we love and who loves us and who we follow. And God is a God of grace, isn't he? If we stuff up, What's God going to say? Oh, you idiot. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, that's okay. Great work. 
It's awesome. You know, so those of us that had kids or watched them learn how to work, walk, walking along and then they fall over. No, no, like which parent is sitting back being like, oh, you're such a hopeless, you're so hopeless. She's a useless child. Don't bear my name. No, we pick him back up again. God walks us and leads us by the hand. Why else don't we do mission? We're nervous because of how people will respond. Are you, do you fear God or do you fear man? See, being a disciple, like the start of our Christian journey is entering in based on God's approval of us from the very beginning. Jesus dying on the cross, it's him saying, look guys, I love you. This is how much, I'm, like, I'm dying in your place. <laughs> I'm giving you my best when you are at your worst. And when I look at that, there's no amount of Instagram likes that can trump God's approval. Just, just saying. I mean, you can try, but I'll save you some time and just say don't. Sometimes you doubt we don't do mission because we doubt we'll be effective. Like, you know, before Jesus gives the Great Commission to go on to mission and to do mission, he starts by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. So your effectiveness isn't based on how good you are. It's based on how good God is. Like, I love taking risks for Jesus sometimes, and I'm just like, oh, man, this feels not cool, or this, this is going to be clunky, or I don't know how this conversation is going to go, or do I say that now, or do I do that, or do I show, you know, whatever it might be, and only to learn months later that it's just like that was God's perfect timing for my, what I thought was a stupid, trite thing, because what God had been doing in their life up to that point. All authority. That's a lot. That's um, it's all of it. Why else don't we do mission? We think too smallly about what Jesus offers. We look at people's lives. We live on the surf coast. You can look at your neighbour, their two-storey house, their nice car, their pretty kids, fancy school, their lifestyle, their perceived income, and we go, oh, Jesus isn't really anything compared to that, is it? I don't really, really have anything to offer. It's just like, Psh. like when I say that out loud, do you immediately go like, that is such a stupid thought when I put it that way? Don't fall into the trap of man looks at external appearances. Be consumed by the way that God looks at the heart. Last week, the guys from Melbourne came down and they asked me, they're like, hey, Louie, do you have like a template for how you think about evangelism? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I don't have a template or a spreadsheet, but I have a prayer. This is my prayer for knowing how to engage someone with the good news of Jesus. God, would you please break my heart for what it breaks yours when you look at their life? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. This place we live, everyone is rushing around and hurrying around restlessly. Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life, have it abundantly. People move here for the lifestyle, for the good life. There is no good life unless you know the author of life. The surf coast, it feels and looks like heaven, but when you get here and when you're living here, you realise it's just like everywhere else. It's not. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sometimes we don't do mission. Last one, sorry. Sometimes we don't do mission because we don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. It's like, do I have to go to theological college? Nope. Start with a prayer. God, show me who you're leading me to. Show me what I can be doing this week. Do I have to even open my mouth? Maybe you just need me to move my feet. Think about that. Let God minister to you in that. Have your Bible open and look for the ways that God calls you to live out as a follower of Jesus. And then consider what is the next thing that I could be prepared to do as I step out in faith, as I realize that Jesus is holding my hand and then pray for the confidence and the courage to do that. And remember that Christ is in you. It's okay to start with a baby step. It's okay to just be like, God, I'm gonna, I want to give this a go. Because let me tell you, 
It is unbelievable what God wants to do with a willing spirit. Unbelievable. And I can't, I can only tell you to test it and then trust God to fill in the rest. You just need to have the faith to do it. So our mission, the gospel is the reason for it. Life now in the kingdom of God through the personal work of Jesus. Mission, it's the way of the master. It's the way of Jesus. That's why he came. That's what he's still doing. All of us are evidence of mission. We are all here because of the mission of God. Mission is led by our master. It's equipped by our master. We go with our master and our mates here on the mission. We support one another as we all together collectively obey the master. Mission is what you are made for and it's what you are saved for because if the purpose of Jesus was just to die and rise again so you could be with God in heaven like that, we all wouldn't be here. So what's left in between? Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth and keep calling people home. Show them how good I am by what he's, by the goodness that he showed you. Lean into that. Our GCs are structured in this way. If you're not in a gospel community yet, uh, you will discover that our gospel communities have a structure of master, mates, and mission. We break up our time in our gospel community so that at least twice a month, you'll be in the word of God so you know the way of the master. You'll know that within your gospel communities, at least twice a month, you'll be together figuring out what it is the way, of God, the way that God is calling you to live. And you'll also know that if you're in a gospel community, there is time that should be allocated aside so that you together can bring together your gifts and your God-given passions to be on mission to the community. So I'd encourage you, pray, take a step in faith, and enjoy just going to work with God day as you get to live in that. I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.